What do you want to talk about? Well, I'll start. Um, our daughter Sarah was talking to us just before we walked into the church and was saying, Mom, what do we tell all these kids? Because one of Logan's best friends was killed in a car accident on night before last, and he's six, he was 16. And so all these kids, there's like seven of them that were his best friends. They're all, they've all been together ever since they heard. And um, I said, well, you know, it's all about eternal life, you know, to let them know, first of all, that Jesus is crying with them, and he is hurting with them, and it's okay for them to be sad, but also to know that Christian is in heaven, and he's more alive than he's ever been. But the thing is, you know, she's saying, I just need to have the right words to tell these kids. And so that was, yeah, and it, it wasn't God who caused him to die. He was driving home, and it was on I-12. And um, so, yeah, there's a whole lot of teenagers really, really grieving right now. They, they could all use our prayers and... And I think what I'm trying to say is, it's just so wonderful that we know the truth here. Yeah. We know God didn't cause the accident. We know that, um, you know, Christian is in a better place and that he's still alive. He, mm -hmm. The whole teaching that we're dead to death just is resonating more than ever right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that God never forsook Jesus. People, I got inundated with people. Why, do you, why are you talking about this so much? What does it mean? Why does this matter? I've come to learn that a lot of times people don't know what they need. And you don't know what's hurting you when it's hurting you. And just because you don't know that that's hurting you doesn't mean it ain't hurting you. But I promise you, and this is the problem, right? The, what we've taught those kids about God leaves them in this place of darkness and confusion. Yes. You know what it hears them think? You know what it, you know what it leaves them thinking? Where's God? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where's God? Right. right? And now, they don't know that that's the voice of the stranger. Right. They don't know that the stranger's the one pointing at this and saying, where's God? Right. They think that that's a legitimate thought. How could God allow this to happen? Exactly. And look what God did to his son. And now they're swimming in that. Yeah. Right? And so the whole reason why we uproot the logic that God abandoned Jesus is because the whole point is that's how the devil tempts all of us. When we encounter death in the world, he's in our ear, where's your God now? That's what he's screaming. That's what those kids are hearing now. How could this happen? It's not right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They know it's not right. Something in them yeah. says it ain't right. And they know it ain't right. And they're right. It's not right. I was crying this morning about it because it's not right. Thinking about that kid's parents. Feeling sorrowful upon sorrow for those kids' parents knowing that they've been taught God forsook Jesus. And now that's left them in the place when they need God the most, when they need to see God the most with them, having conquered the death that tried to come against their son, they're left in a place of confusion because they've been taught about the God that abandons people when they're in death. Right. Yeah. And now that voice, they don't discern that it's the voice of the stranger. Now they're roaming around looking under every stone. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? Because all they know is that this ain't right, and all they know is that they needed God, and now they're hearing from the wisdom in the world, and the wisdom of the serpent is, where was your God when you needed him? Right. 
That's why what happened at the cross happened. So God could subvert that voice. Yes. So he could stop its mouth. So he could shut it up. So he could shut it up. So he could rebuke it in our hearts. Because that's what they're all hearing now is an accusation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Against them. Yes. Against their life. Because look at, their life does not look beautiful right now. No. And they're hearing an accusation against God. Which is the same thing that went down at the cross. That's why I spend so much time preaching about those things as the way that they are. Because that will discern life for you and it will strengthen you in the evil day. This is the evil day for those people. You bet. Right? And so it's like, where's God? Where's God? God, where are you? You know, we get it twisted. It's like we think that we're God in the picture of the Garden of Eden and he's Adam. Yeah. And we're walking around looking for him. God, where are you? Because that's what that's trying to tell us. Right. Right? When it's the opposite way. God's the one seeking us out as we're roaming around in the darkness in our heart because of the death that tried to enter into the garden of our heart. Mm -hmm. Right? And God's the one searching us out. Where are you? And do you know why he's searching us out? He's searching us out to show us that he is with us. The resurrection is the evidence. You want to know where I am? I'm up in the midst of the death that's trying to come against your loved one right now, having slayed it. Yes. Having decapitated it with the power of my life. Right? That's where he is. You want to know where he is? He's having, in the body of Jesus Christ, having conquered death yes. in the flesh. Right. Right? right? And now you see God's with you. And now you see... it's it, you ever heard the term inconsolable? Yeah. Where you're inconsolable? Yeah. Well, there's a, listen, when you encounter something that isn't right like that, you'll be inconsolable. Right. I mean, I, I, I was telling Jay before we walked in here, man, in high school, I lost so many friends. It was obscene. And we didn't know the truth. And so we wallowed in the darkness of it. I mean, we wallowed in it. We would go and play these horrible, horrible songs that were filled with death and darkness. I mean, one of the songs we used to play is uh, The Rooster. Yeah, they come to kill the rooster. And man, we would play these songs that were just oozing with darkness because of our confusion and our hurt. And we were inconsolable. And we looked to drugs to console ourselves. And when you encounter something that isn't right on that kind of level, there's only one thing that can comfort you. And you know what? The only thing that can comfort you is to see God having destroyed that death that has tried to come against your life or your loved one's life or your son's life or your spouse's life or your child's life or your friend's life. That's the only thing that can comfort you. Listen, and, and it's true that he, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that Christian's present with the Lord now. But listen, that won't do anything for people that are in earth and are busy grieving about what they think's been stolen from them about spending time with Christian in the earth. Right. Because they got no idea of what it's like in heaven. Do we have bodies? Will I be able to touch him? Will I be able to kiss him? Will we be able to run through the field? Will I be able to see him throw the football and catch it with me? That's what they need to hear. And the idea that, oh, he's in heaven, those things are true. But that's why there's a physical resurrection inside of a physical body. So the resurrection can declare to these people that this one thing we know, you will stand with Christian in this earth in glorified immortal flesh for all eternity. And you will laugh and run and play with him all the days of your life and God will do it with you, right? Because right now what they're thinking has been taken from them is a life with Christian in this earth. Right. Right. That's the grief they feel. Something in people's hearts know they're supposed to be in the earth. Mm -hmm. 
That's why th this heaven thing, it's true. But when we only look at it like that, we don't fill out the picture. It leaves us short. It yeah. does, it never, that never did it for me. I'm going to go to heaven one day. That's a nice, it's true. But my heart knows I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we grieve so much when someone goes. We know we're supposed to be here. We know we're supposed to be in physical bodies. And the idea of heaven sounds very ethereal. Right? Like, will I, will I be Casper the ghost? Will I have a body? Am I going to be like an angel? Will I be a spirit? Yeah. Right? Is there water up there? Is there grass? Is there trees? Is there fruit? I mean, will there be stars? What, what, what is that? And so that's, that's the power of what God did in the resurrection. The whole reason why he entered into our death. The whole reason why Jesus entered into our death and came on the cross. That's what happened to Christian. He got nailed to a tree. Right? right? And now God did that so we could see in the place where it looks like he's absent, that he's not there. That this isn't right, and where is he when we need him? So we could see in the resurrection, there he is, and that's exactly where we need him to be, because we need death to be conquered, not just ethereally, we need it conquered in the body. Yes. And now we see this yes. guy did that. And now that gives us a certainty. A certainty that we will dwell in physical human bodies, in a physical earth, with our loved ones. Yeah. Right? Right. And that, that fills you with the hope. I mean, we have funny sayings in the world, hope springs eternal. <laughs> I mean, is that, is, that, is that the right word? Yes. That's a cliche we have, right? Hope springs eternal? Yes, right. It's just not true. We don't, we don't know. We don't, no, it is true. Yeah, hope springs eternal. We, we don't really know what that means. We just think it sounds poetic and nice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. And, and, and that's, that's the whole point of what God did. The hope of the gospel is not one day you can have life. It's that you have a certainty of seeing life manifest in you and in the ones who you love, right? That have called upon the name of the Lord. And that certainty is God's got it right. That's the hope of the gospel. God's got it right to get his life in you now. And in his life being in you now, you have a certainty that that life will stand up in you no matter what comes against you in this world, right. right? And you have a certainty that life will stand up in the ones who you love that have called upon the name of the Lord, mm -hmm. no matter what comes against them in this world. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of encountering things that aren't right, and we all going to encounter things that aren't right. In fact, everybody in here has encountered things that aren't right. Yeah. Haven't you? Yes. Every single one of us have encountered things that nobody had to tell us wasn't right. We felt it. Yeah. Right? Why do we feel it? We know that we were created for a beautiful life. Right. Something is inherently in us that we're supposed to have a beautiful life. Mm. And then when we encounter things that are not consistent with the picture of a beautiful life, we feel pressed upon. And God gave us his life to put it in us so we could know. So we could have a certainty, and we could start living by that in these moments where we could have a good cry. I don't even know this kid. I was crying for his parents on the way to church today, just thinking about what that must feel like. The confusion is the worst thing, man, yeah. because there's a sting when you encounter death. But if you don't see the, the, the light of the gospel shining into that sting, man, that's the worst part. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst part. And so I was just praying with God about that they would see him. And that, that they would have, that he would open up their eyes and they would know he was there and that he was in Christian. And that that death was not a sign that God was far from him. That God had let something happen to him. That God did something to preserve his life in the resurrection. And that God foresaw that this world would come against him and come against all of us. And this is what he did to keep us. Right. 
right? Yeah. And so then they could cry and grieve and think, I miss my son, right? I miss my friend. But then they could know, like Job said, when his wife is looking at all the horrible things that are happening to him, and she's filled with the carnal mind. And she's like, how can you keep blessing God? How can you keep speaking well of God? Look at you. Just curse God and die. Right. And Job says, this one thing I know, I will stand before my God. In glorified flesh. Yes, right. <laughs> My Redeemer is alive. And so it's not whether or not Christian died in this world. It's that Christ overcame the world. Yes. And Christ is in him. And Christ is the certainty that Christian will stand up out of that death in glorified immortal flesh and live all his days in this earth with his God. And we will live with him. Yes. Amen. Right? And that's what... That, there is no right word. There's just the gospel. Right? There's nothing that's going to make it okay. There's just the truth that can comfort you. Right. And it can fill you with the certainty. Yeah. Right? I will play football with Christian again. I will line up with him again. We will run through the field throwing the ball again. Right? And you start feeling that. And then what happens is, is you start blessing God. Because you start seeing this guy was there. This guy did do something. This guy foresaw what could happen, and because it bothered him that this could happen, because he first thought it wasn't right. Do you know why we think it isn't right? Because he first thought it's not right. He first thought it isn't right that we would die, that death could hurt us. And so he come and did the only thing that could actually keep us and could actually secure us or comfort us in the place of encountering things that aren't right. Right? Yeah. That's why I hammer it so much. It's no small thing. I know sometimes people don't know what I'm doing, and they get tired of it. Why are you doing that? Don't do that anymore. Stop no, saying keep that. Doing it. Stop. No, I can't. No, you don't understand. I can't stop. You don't understand. I felt the pain before. Can I? No, I won't. I can't stop. This is the power of the gospel. Once you see what it is, once you see what takes an axe, you just keep laying the axe. That's it. You're not looking for agreement. You're looking for people being healed by the truth. Yeah. Right? Right. That's that's what they need to hear. Right? God, where are you? That's the voice of the devil. Amen. And listen, the devil, listen, man, there's an accusation in the world. And the accusation in the world, we, we only think of it as the voice of the devil talking like his mouth. But his accusation is in the earth from the death. Right? And that accusation is trying to accuse us and accuse God. Right. Right? That's what the death is. And that's why God justified us with life. That's what the justification of life is. It, what it does is it silences the voice of accusation that tries to come alive in our hearts when we encounter things that aren't right. God issues a decree in our hearts. In our hearts, He restores our innocence. He declares us innocent from the accusation. Your life isn't as it ought to be, but I have the life of God. Amen. That shuts them out. Right? Christian's life isn't as it ought to be. It's not right that this happened. Well, God justified Christian with his life. Yeah. And that shuts the mouth of the accusation. Yeah. Right. And you start finding yourself thinking that Christian's life is as it ought to be because he's got the life of God. Right. Right? And this is what this life of God will do in him. Right? Yeah. And this is what it will do in me. Yeah. And we will be with each other for all eternity. There will be no memory of Christian's death. There'll be no memory of his passing. There'll be no memory of something having been stolen from him. The only memory will be that Christian lives eternally with his God who loved him. Right. That's it. Yeah. Death is going to be wiped from the history books. Mm. It's not going to be there anymore. <clears throat> it's going to be erased. Yeah. And we have a life that declares that to us. Because do you see any memory of death inside the body of the Lord Jesus? No. 
No. It's been wiped, hasn't it? You asked, what do you say? Not everybody has the ability to express everything that Greg just said. <laughs> Amen. But what has comforted you? What has comforted you when it comes to the issue of death? Well, that's the comfort that can comfort others. Yes. And so maybe it's just a single phrase. I mean, you've probably been affected by a single phrase in the past. Like, what was yours, your favorite? Just I am be good. yourself because who you are is good. Okay. That has comforted you because you've said it. I don't know how many times in here, right? Yeah, and, and and that has comforted you, right? So you don't know what that phrase might be, or it may just be your presence and your embrace. I don't know. We're not the comforter. No. Right. But we've been comforted by the comforter. And right, we the can, words of truth. Yes, yeah. that's right. And so. I don't think anybody who's just lost a loved one, loved one even has the capacity to hear some doctrinal nugget that that was. But, you know, it's, it's so tempted, tempting to think that it, we have to say something. And also it's, 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 it's tempting to think that, oh, I better not say anything because it could be the wrong thing. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. But you can just be yourself and share the comfort that you've been comforted with and that will comfort others. Yeah. And that's what Paul said. Which comforted me. He said he, he'd come to comfort them with the comfort he received. And Jesus came to comfort us with the comfort he received when he was on the cross. And a, an example of a phrase that has helped me in this context, is, and I picked it up in here from Greg, is that's not the last word about your life. Mm. Have y'all heard that here? Yes. Yes. I, that's really has sat well with me because yeah it looks bad right now but that's not the last word hold on mm -hmm. yeah. you want to know the last word Jesus is the last word about your life right. that, that phrase has really helped me and the other one is <laughs> and I said this to the anesthesiologist before I went under so I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> we had a little girl uh, interview for a job, sweet little girl, 15 years old. I could tell she was bright. This happened three days ago. Why, what's your GPA? She goes, oh, I think it's a 2.8. I said, why is this so low? I said, because I can tell you're bright. She said, uh, well, I've been, through, I've been going through a lot lately. I said, what have you been going through? She said, my dad, he was 46, he dropped out of a heart attack. Oh. 46. 46. And I could see in her eyes she was already starting to well up. What do you say? What did you say? I said, well, there is a God, and he's a God of comfort, and he will comfort you. And you're mad about your dad dying, and so is he. Mm -hmm. And that's why I conquered death. And if your father would want you to know anything, it would be he's going to see you on the other side. Oh, it was only like 30 seconds, but that's what came to mind. But you see, there's an example of a phrase that mm -hmm. has comforted me. So, I would say just be yourself and share the comfort that you yeah. <clears throat> I liked what you said. The issue, though, is Good. if you, you don't know the comfort, you can't really share it. That's yeah, right. That's right? Really true. That's the problem with the modern-day church. Yeah. yeah. They have not been comforted yeah, by the comfort the, of God. There's nothing comforting about 
Well, God called him home. Right. Well, hell, no. I didn't want him to call him home. There's nothing, comfort, there's nothing comforting with, we don't know why this happened. Right. But this is what I would say. Or as they say in Romania, only God knows. That was the catchphrase. It, it was the biggest cop out everybody. Only God knows. And yet Paul prayed that we would understand. Yeah. Um, and Jesus said that no longer are you kept in the dark about what the Father is doing because he calls you his friends. And Paul said we have the mind of Christ. Yeah. The, yeah. the thing that, that Sarah can do is realize that God's the counselor, God's the comforter. And she sits with a desire. Right? For these kids to be comforted. Well, that's her and God. It's almost like the voice of God, let us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. Well, when God says let us, what that really means is he will do it. And he will do it in you. Right? Mm-hmm. And so what she could do is just be praying with God about how he's the counselor. He's the comforter. He's the teacher. Right? And that he's got it right to get himself inside of her. her his Holy Spirit is inside of her. Right. Right? right. And that that Holy Spirit, we have God in these mortal bodies that we might know the excellency is of him and not of ourselves. So she could start talking with God about how he knows, about how he knows how to comfort. He knows what to say, when to say it, and if something should be said. Mm -hmm. He knows exactly when to say it. And she could start talking with him about that, and then she could express her desire to him and then commit it into his hands. Right? Lord, bring it forth in me. Should there be something to say, bring it forth in me the right timing of when it is to be said. And that's when you're mixing your desire with faith. Right. Instead of mixing your desire with your own strength. Do you do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Because that's that's where and listen it's not like their life is dependent upon us saying the exact right thing. No. But that's, that's, those are the things I would do. I mean, I know the gospel, so that's what I would say sure. to all those people. And if I had them all in a room, I would stand up, and God would make a sign and a wonder out of me. Because what God would do was manifest a strength inside of you in the midst of these people that they could feel right. the power of God right. to conquer death. Yeah. They could feel the, the compassion and mercy of God. Right? It, it, it says that the mercy of God is found in what he's done to create a new man. Mm-hmm. It says as many as walk in the rule that there's a new creature. One that's been created anew, separate from death, right. in the likeness of God's immortality. He says upon them is the mercy and peace of God. Yeah. Right? And so Christian, when he called upon the name of the Lord, his life was born from above. Right. And what he did was he put on the new man. The man who's been created in the image of God, in the life of God, right? Yeah. And as many as walk according to that rule, right? Upon them, the peace and the mercy of God, right? right? Yeah. I was just thinking about how great it would be if the kids who were all gathered together could hear what, what Greg just said, and it came, had this thought. It's interesting, because we, we thought, well, why are all the kids at this this couple's house. Well, there's about eight kids right now who were invited over to this one kid's grandparents. They, he, they said, you're all welcome here. And he, they made a big bonfire. They cooked them hamburgers, and they all ate together. They just all want to be together, these closest friends of Christian. And I thought, well, that's unusual. At Marshall's grandparents, that's... It's just kind of unusual, and it just occurred to me while we were sitting here, Marshall's grandparents are best friends with Jim and Sharon Dixon. Oh. Best friends. They're together a lot. 
I bet you any money, Marshall's grandpa and grandma know the truth. You can't you can't be best friends with Jim Dixon and not know the truth. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a feeling it just occurred to me that those boys are being ministered to by Marshall's grandparents who know the truth because Jim Dixon is their best friend. Yeah. And Jim may even be over there. Yeah. yeah. Or may even be called. Yeah. Over so this. anyway, Logan called last night at ten thirty to his mom and dad and said, "The kids are all staying here, spending the night. Can I stay?" And they he, they said, "Well, sure." So not only did Marshall's grandparents invite them all over for a meal and a bonfire and a time to grieve, now they all spent the night there last night. They're all they're all bonding. I, I said to Sarah, "This bond that's occurring because of Christian." It's going to be a bond that will never be broken. Yeah. So I think they are hearing the truth. I, I just really think they are. Well, listen, God, the Spirit wants to comfort them more than we want them to be comforted. Right. I promise you that. Right? And so the Spirit will move heaven and earth mm -hmm. to reach people. We yeah. see what the Spirit will do to sure. reach people mm -hmm. in the cross, yeah. in the resurrection of Jesus. Right, you could listen. You're gonna have a hard time keeping God from His people. Yes, you will have a hard time keeping God from His people. <laughs> he will move heaven and earth. He will go right into the middle of the death. Right, yeah, right, yeah. in order to reach people. Yeah. <clears throat> mm. Yes. That's why the the saints. Oh well, they'll go be an angel. That's why they're empty platitudes, right? Because my friend wasn't an angel. And I want to hang out with my friend, not some angel. Exactly. <laughs> not only that, there's a there's a subconscious knowing that angels are our servants. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? So yes. even we don't even, even if we can't express why, no, that, yes. that's an empty platitude. Yes. It, it, it will ring hollow. Yeah. Right. right. It's like yeah. Your, your mom would say, say you were no angel. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Your mom would say you're no angel. <laughs> no, he was better. <laughs> That's a great mom. Amen. <laughs> yeah, Paul said circumcision or uncircumcision availeth not. Right. Yeah. But a new creature. Yes. The only thing that is of any force to minister life to anyone mm -hmm. is what God did to create mankind anew, free from death, in the likeness of his immortality. Right. Because that's the only thing that can persuade a person that they have the beautiful life they should have. Right. And the only way you're going to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit is if you see you have the beautiful life you're supposed to have. And if you see nothing can separate your loved wow. one from the beautiful life they're supposed to have. And upon everyone who walks according to that, saying the knowledge of the son of god the knowledge of the new man that god created everyone who walks according to that everyone who allows god to suit them up or tailor them mm -hmm. with the life of his immortality the new man that he made when he raised christ jesus from the dead to everyone who walks according to that upon them will be the peace and the mercy of god what that means is those people will experience the peace and the mercy of god yes right and yes. what is the mercy of god it's the deep compassion that he feels at the suffering of someone that is in his image, right? His kind. And that, that grief, that compassion he feels is so great 
that he springs into action to alleviate their suffering. Mm. And upon everybody who sees that we are God's workmanship and that he has done something in the cross to create us after the image of his immortality, listen, upon them will be the experiential note of God's mercy, his compassion as we walk in this world, his peace as we walk in this world, knowing that we are one with the beautiful life that we know we're supposed to have. Everybody knows they're supposed to have a beautiful life. Why do you think people don't like it when they don't think they have a beautiful life? (laughs) Why do you think it bothers people so much should you say something about them or their life in a disparaging way? Why does that even bother us? We don't even think about these things. Do you know why it bothers us? Because we sit with something inherent that says we're supposed to have a beautiful life. And the moment something is pointed out that is to suggest that we don't have the beautiful life we know we're supposed to have, that can cause us a problem. That's why you find people trying to justify what they see in their flesh. That's why you find people trying to justify themselves. Because they can't sit in the place where they don't have the beautiful life they're supposed to have. Right? Right? Now, upon everybody that sees what you see in your flesh, the strength you see in the flesh, or the strength you see in the life you have in the world, upon all those who see, there's no force in that. That availeth nothing towards the end of you being filled with the fruit of the Spirit. But a new creature, upon all you that see that. The juice that you need is found in what God did to make a new man. The power for you to be persuaded that you have the beautiful life that you know you should have is found in you beholding the man God created free from death in the likeness of his immortality when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's where the juice is, right? The power for the accusation you can hear in your heart that you don't have the beautiful life you should have. The power for that accusation to be shut. The power for there to be a decree that rises up in your heart that says innocent. The power for that to manifest in your heart is what God did to make a new man. A man whose life isn't born from the dust. A man whose life isn't at the mercy of the sin and death of this world. A man who has overcome the sin and death in this world, never to be able to be touched by it again. Upon everybody who sees that, that's where the juice is. Yeah. Right? right? That's when you will be juiced. Right? Listen, in high school, we, we did also, I didn't do it, but you know how many times I injected my friends with steroids? And you know what we called it when someone was on steroids? Juicy. juicy. They're juicing. Right? Now, I, 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 I mean, I didn't want to be all muscular. I wasn't trying to play football. I mean, I played football in junior high, and they lined me up one time, and I ran into somebody full speed, right? I'm like, I'm not doing that all day, every day. I bless the people that can do that. Just to line up and run full speed. No, thank you. So, But we shot our friends up, and they were trying to get the juice, to be juiced. Well, the juice that we need to be persuaded that we have the beautiful life we're supposed to have is found in the new creature. Amen. That's the only thing that avails. Yeah. That's the only thing that can stop the accusation. It's the only thing that can issue a decree in the town square of your heart that you're innocent. Yeah. And innocent just means that you have the beautiful life you're supposed to have. Because the accusation is you don't have it. The accusation is you don't have it and God hasn't given it to you. Yeah. Right? And the justification of life which one of the meanings of justification is to be declared innocent, is that God issues a decree of innocence inside of your heart. He don't need to be persuaded that he can have a good life hanging out with you. He does it to justify your heart in the midst of the accusation that is in the world because of death. Because that death is all the time trying to accuse you. And you know what it's saying? You don't have the beautiful life you're supposed to have. 
I promise you, anytime you feel sorrowful, it's because some word has gotten into your heart or into your sight that your life is not beautiful. Exactly. And that you don't have the beautiful life you're supposed to have. Well, the only thing that avails anything in the midst of that accusation, that evil day, is a new creature. Mm. Do you think Jesus has a beautiful life? Yeah. Is that a beautiful life that guy came out of the grave with? Behold the beautiful life you know you were supposed to have. A life that can't be touched by death. That's right. the only life that's beautiful. Right? Mm -hmm. And that silence is the accusation. Yeah. Right? right? It fills you with the knowing, a certainty. Mm -hmm. Right? And you see that it's by the hand of God that you got this. So it silences the accusation against God. And so God's declared innocent, you're declared innocent. Right. That's what these people need. Yes. Right? Yes. Innocence. Right. That, that's, that's the innocence that we were always talking about all these years. We, we threw around this word and it sounds nice. Innocence. Especially like we talked about last Sunday. When someone with an English accent says it. Really <laughs> That's right. You know, like Simon. That's right. Simon was here talking. And it's just like, can we all, you say, can we all agree? Do you remember what you said? Yeah, can we all agree that when someone says something with a British accent, they sound more intelligent? <laughs> right. That's, that's one of the uh, benefits of going to a foreign country for like a mission trip. It's people are intrigued by people from somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. Like it, it draws them and it uh, God uses that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but even if someone says something stupid, it sounds right. <laughs> it's just so nice. But that that that's the innocence, right? The accusation we encounter in this world, it's called the evil day. It says all those. It says they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. What are you overcoming? The accusations. What's the accusation? You don't have the beautiful life you're supposed to have. Right? Now listen, if that accusation is able to grow in your heart, it will produce fruit. And you know what fruit it will produce? Fear and death. Right? And we overcome that accusation by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. What's the blood of the Lamb? Well, that's how God created us anew, free from death. By the blood of the Lamb. That's Him clothing us in the light of His life. Didn't He clothe Adam? Yes. What did He clothe Adam with? Lambskins. Yeah. Well, why did He clothe Adam with lambskins? To silence the voice of accusation against Adam and against God. Right? right? That's what He did. He brought forth innocence. He issued a decree of innocence inside of Adam's heart when He clothed him. You have the beautiful life you were supposed to have, mm. right? And I'm as I ought to be as the one that will give it to you, yeah. right? right? In your nakedness, the deadness in your flesh, the deadness of the sin you're standing in cannot make my promise void. It cannot change who I am and what's in my heart, right? Amen. You can, listen, man, God wants to be exceedingly fruitful. You, your sin cannot keep God from reproducing after his own kind. Amen. And your sin cannot keep him from coming to you to clothe upon you in his life. Right? He's coming. He's coming. Yes. The only question is, will you let this guy clothe you? That's right. Will you let him tailor you yeah. for a suit? <laughs> right? He's coming to tailor you for a suit. He already made the suit. You see the suit. It's the beautiful life that you see manifested in the new man that he created free from death, never to be able to touch by death again. A beautiful life. That's the beautiful life. He already made the suit. He shows it to you, right? And he says, it's not window shopping. It's yours. It's bought and paid for. Can I fit you in it? Oh, my goodness. Right? That's the prodigal. That's the father going to get the yeah, robe. The robe. 
right? To put it on him. Now to all those who see that, that's where the juice is. Right? That's an inoculation. That's what Paul's talking about in Galatians. When he talks about circumcision and uncircumcision, availeth not. What you see in your flesh or don't see in your flesh is of no power to juice you. What you behold in the life you have in this world or what you don't behold in the life you have in this world has got no juice to actually fill you with the fruit of the Spirit. What you have in this world or what you don't have in this world does not have the power to persuade you your life is beautiful. What you have in this world or what you don't have in this world does not have the power to silence the voice of the accusation that's in this earth from the death that's here. Right? The only thing that has that power is a new creature. That's right. That's right. That's right. Right? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So we were um, in the hospital with Jay's mom Thursday and Friday this week. And the first nurse that took care of her after she was admitted upstairs uh, had a mask on. And nobody else had a mask on. Nobody. Just her. And um, I could see she was a good nurse. She was taking good care of Jay's mom. And but she was a little bit, you know, blunt like me. And um, for some reason, she felt to share with me. She said, you know, the only reason I wear this mask is because people tell me that I'm too abrasive and that I need to, you know, be careful how I speak. So she said, this mask is my reminder that I'm abrasive <coughs> and that I don't speak in a way that's, kind or loving or whatever but as the day went along i could see you know she's a good nurse she she's taking real good care of jean so she worked the 7 a.m to 7 p.m shift so right before she left at 7 p.m i just felt to go speak to her oh. were you wearing a mask oh. <laughs> so So I just went up to her and I said, Amy, there's something I need to tell you. I said, these words healed my heart. So I want to share this with you. And she's looking at me like, what's this lady about to say? And I, I said, Amy, I just want you to know that you can just be yourself because who you are is good. And so I just hope that, that the lies that everyone has been telling her, you know, won't won't stay in her heart and that the words that I the words of truth that I spoke to her can free her up because she I mean she, she was believing the lies because everyone tells her can you imagine wearing a mask when you know you don't need it but feeling that you have to as a reminder basically she was wearing a mask as a reminder that who she is isn't good She's not as she ought to be. She's too abrasive. She's too blunt. She's not loving enough. She's not kind enough. So anyway, that was a wonderful That's, opportunity. Well, you just you did exactly what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what you yeah. said. <laughs> you did exactly what we were talking about And you, you, that's a classic example of what Paul talked about when he said, circumcision or uncircumcision availeth not. Right? This woman has been presented with uh, a word that says a beautiful life is one where you're not blunt, 
One yes. where people don't yeah. think you're abrasive. One where people think you talk soft and kind. That's where a beautiful life yes. is found. And then what she did was she judged herself as not having a beautiful life. Right. Because she looked at that and said, I don't see that in myself. And if I could see that in myself, then I could have a beautiful life. And what God would come and say is, listen, whether people think you talk abrasively or not, whether you talk softly or kind or not, neither of those things can juice you or persuade you that you have a beautiful life. Right? The fact that you're good is not found in whether people think you talk abrasively or not. It's in the fact that God saw fit to come and give you his life. It's in, you want to know the evidence that who you are is good? God himself saw fit to come and die for you. You bet. God himself. Now, full stop. Full stop. Period. Right now, we stop judging ourselves as good or not by what we think we see or don't see. Right? And now we continuously behold the one who decided that we were good enough by laying down his life. Right? right? And that sets us free from trying to be justified through the strength of the flesh. Right? Yes. Where she could say, strength, the strength to have a beautiful life is if I wasn't so abrasive. Mm. That's the same thing as saying the strength to have a beautiful life is if I'll be circumcised in the flesh of my foreskin. Right? I'm looking for the strength to be persuaded I have life by what I see in myself or in the world around me. If I can get people to not say that I'm abrasive and blunt and rude, then I can have a beautiful life. And that will stop the accusation. I went through the exact same thing in the church where I tried to make my intensity avail. Because I could see intensity in my flesh. And I didn't understand that whether I was intense or not intense had no juice. That's not where the juice is, right? But I thought if I could just believe that this intensity was as it ought to be, then that would silence the voice of accusation in my heart, which is that, dude, get away from people. You're hurting them. You're a horrible preacher. I thought if I could just believe this intensity is good, if I could just believe the way that I preach is good, that will be the juice to convince me I have a beautiful life and it would silence the voice. It won't! That was me trying to make the strength of the flesh avail. If I could believe what I saw in my flesh was right, then that could give me the fruit of the Spirit. No, it can't. And it never did. And then God come and said, whether you're intense or not intense, Greg, what's it matter? Because being intense or not being intense doesn't have the juice to silence the accusation in your heart. It doesn't have the juice to convince you that you have a beautiful life. And Greg, let me tell you something else. A beautiful life is not found in people thinking you're a good preacher. A beautiful life is not found in people saying they like how you talk or that they understand your speech. That's not where a beautiful life is found. Uh, The only thing, Greg, that can convince you of a beautiful life is a new creature. Right? That's when I stop trying to make my intensity avail. And if people follow closely, you could probably see a, a, a shift in the messages where I started shifting from, well, there's nothing wrong with me because I'm intense and there's nothing wrong with people that don't like the intensity. Because whether you're intense or not intense, availeth nothing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you know, you know what? That, that has a dynamic effect in you. We, we don't that. realize it, but we're all judging the people around us according to the flesh. Yes. And that's what it means to judge them according to the flesh. We look at what we see in their flesh, their mannerisms, how they talk, how they get down, and we judge whether it's consistent with the beautiful life or not. Ooh. And what happens when you see what really avails 
is you become supernaturally delivered from that. And you no longer find yourself looking at people that way, right? And categorizing them like that, right? And listen, there's no shame that we find ourselves in that place. This whole world is built on that. That's how God unwinds it, though, right? He silences the voice of accusation, not just against us in our hearts, but when he does it in our hearts, do you know what that does? Silences the voice of accusation against others in our hearts, where we stop judging them for their mannerisms and the things that they do that maybe aren't exactly how we would get down. Yeah. <laughs> right? And we're like, oh. Because we, we think that if they could behave or their mannerisms were consistent with the way we think a beautiful life should look, that that could avail towards us. That that could juice us with the fruit of the Spirit. No, it can't. The only thing that can juice you with the fruit of the Spirit, I promise you, is not how other people behave. The only thing that can juice you with the fruit of the Spirit is a new creature. Therein is the power for offense to be destroyed. Because the reason why you become offended is because you observe the behaviors of people and you think that it can avail unto giving you life or taking life from you. And the moment you say it cannot avail, but only a new creature avails, pluck! You're not looking at people or your interactions that way. It shifts them down. Out of that category of life and death. Right? And you're no longer so worried about how the people around you are behaving. Because you, don't, you no longer think it can juice you. People's behavior availeth not towards the end of me being filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Right? <laughs> you see? <laughs> it, it has a far-reaching effect, this little seed. We call it a little seed because the Bible calls it a mustard seed. This justification of life, that simple thing of what the Lord did to come and give us His life, it has a profound effect like a mustard seed when you start grappling with what that means and the effect it has on the human heart and the human sight, the human discernment, the human interpretation, everything, right? That simple little thing. Glory to God. Does anybody know what time it is? 9.57. 11 o'clock. All right, that's it. <laughs>